Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one half of your hosting team, Benjamin R. Harrison. I'm a little less than the other half of, <laughs> of the hosting team. I'm Adam Pranica. And uh, that little sliver that we need to fill in, it is <laughs> beer. Ice cold beer. We recommend it. Sure do. All right, is that the end of that bit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to suggest we open some cards. I feel like we haven't done it in a long time. We've talked about cards an awful lot. Ben, before we do that, this might end up going nowhere, but I was just recently tagged on Facebook on a comment thread from the official Star Trek Facebook page. Oh, really? Uh, that is a contest for entry to win a seven-day, six-night vacation aboard the sold-out 50th anniversary Star Trek-themed cruise ship (laughs) (laughs) featuring William Shatner himself. The? The Bill Shatner. The Shat. How much would you love to be on this Star Trek cruise, Ben? We never get invited to shit. I know. In our defense, we never put ourselves out there to be invited to stuff. But I feel like when you're the highest-rated Star Trek podcast out there, in the world, uh, our invitations must have gotten lost in the mail. Highest-rated Star Trek podcast in the world, as far as we can tell. Yeah, not a lot of the data is public, but um, I mean, if if you just base it on iTunes reviews, I think we're well in the well in the lead, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, so yeah, like like when are we going to start to get these phone calls about uh, starting our comic book line and whatnot? Look, I would go on the Star Trek cruise. I don't need a ocean-facing cabin. I'll face the engine room. I don't care. Just a lot of our listeners are going to really think you're trying to slide into the big rod <laughs> pocket, man. Oh, shit. That's right. I didn't even consider the affiliation with Big Rod on this. I bet Big Rod is all over that boat. Oh, man. It's like being trapped in a space capsule with big rod it's like being trapped in a space rod and you know that the crime rate on those ships is crazy right like people get pushed over the edge all this all the time oh i know ben would you continue the show if i were pushed overboard on the star trek cruise by big rod himself (laughs) would you itself i don't even know is is big rod actually a person i think it is would you pivot the show into like a true crime podcast about my death (laughs) (laughs) yeah this time on the greatest generation adam was dead and (laughs) yeah something something like that yeah i I mean i just promised you uh, avenge me okay i'm gonna ban you (laughs) please abend me (laughs) all right let's open some cards really quick and then we'll get into the episode all right all right. Are you going to open some too? Yeah, I will. And uh, while while we grab for these cards, uh, I want to tell you that Ben, you may or may not know this. Uh, I am the proud owner of thirty signed Biff Yeager cards. <laughs> what? <laughs> because true to my word, a couple episodes ago, I decided to buy 
every Biff Jaeger everywhere. <laughs> so there, there were four on on eBay when when uh, this idea came up. You're saying that you've been you've been going on and they're coming. Their new ones are being added all the time. I am inflating the bubble, and it, as fast as I can buy them, more Jaegers keep popping up. Wow. It's a real yeah. wacky Jaeger situation out there on eBay. <laughs> how much, how much of your money have you have you spent at this point on the? Uh, <laughs> ben, my wife this listens like, to this show. I don't know if I could say that. This is uh, this sort of reminds me of uh, of that Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy <laughs> film where they try to corner the Biff Jaeger market, the Biff Jaeger trading card market at the end. Isn't right? that? Are you talking about Brewster's Millions, where in order to inherit all the money, he has to spend like a million dollars as fast as possible? <laughs> uh, I guess, maybe. I haven't quite spent a million dollars, Ben, and that's all I can say about it. Okay. I think we could do some fun stuff with these Eggers, though. Uh, we can use We're them as prizes. We're going to have to sell a lot of t-shirts on our, uh, on our upcoming tour <laughs> well, <laughs> to defray at, some of these Jaeger costs. Guess what, Ben? At Greatest Gen Con 2017, the Jaeger is the only accepted currency. <laughs> and you're going to be the richest man in the room. <laughs> it's true. Really going to be throwing my Jaegers around. People have been buying scarves and are going to be really disappointed to learn that. It's going to take 30 scarves to buy one Jaeger. I'm telling you. Um, so... I have not one time yet gotten duplicates, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I think every single card in this packet is a duplicate of one I already have. Oh, no. I think yeah. I have exactly the opposite circumstance. All of my cards I haven't seen before. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. How'd that happen? I don't know. Yeah, man. I've got a measure of a man, which I'd already had. I've got... All good things, which I already had. I've got peak performance, which I already had. I've got Ensign Row, which I already had, and I've got Data Lore, which I already had. Hmm. What a dud! These fucking portfolio prints are really starting to disappoint me. Not even a signed card. Not even a foil stamped card. Man, if I'd gotten doubled up Joanna Miles's, I would. My mood would be very different right now. Double. Put it that way. You know what you could have uh, called that, Ben? Hmm. Double Miles. <laughs> I just want to turn to camera and say to the Capital One company, we're ready to sell your credit cards. We're ready to sell anything. We have no shame at all. Apparently not. Ben, the five cards I have are Lonely Among Us, The Enemy, which was the fun Jordy episode where he falls down a well, Mm-hmm. The final mission, which we haven't gotten to yet, but we will in a couple episodes, I think. That's the one, uh, Wesley, Queen of the Desert. Oh, I like that episode. Yeah, we've got Man of the People, and then we've got The Perfect Mate. Feels like all of our episodes could have been called that. <laughs> What's The Perfect Mate? Is that the one where the lady is like, been genetically bred to be a princess? Yeah, she's an empathic and, like, metamorph. on Riker. Yeah, it's, uh... What's her face? Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the real leggy lady with the... Uh, She's from GoldenEye, right? Yeah, and, uh, and and Rounders. Oh, yeah. What the hell is her name? Famke Jansen? Oh, yeah. Famke. Yeah. She is uh, She's very attractive. She's a 
ridiculously good-looking person. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that one, but that is pretty far down the road. Is it really? Yeah. It's card 121, and the final mission is card 83, if that gives you any indication of where we are in the series right now. Final mission being a couple episodes from now. Yeah. So, perfect mate. 40 episodes from now, Ben. Damn. 40. I'll just have to watch X-Men or something in the meantime. To get your... my Famke Jansen fix. Get that Famke fix. Well, Ben, what do you say we get out of this Marin intro and into something a little more comfortable? It's season four, episode six, Legacy. I've noticed you've been kind of like uh, going going low on the name of the episodes. Yeah. Going going down to the bottom of your register. There the bottom of my register is still very, very high. It's like a it's like a kiddie <laughs> pool in terms of depth. It's, it's endearing though. This episode begins with the Enterprise bailing out of an archaeology mission to change over to a rescue mission. And you know yeah. shit's serious when Picard bails out of some archaeology. Mm-hmm. Well, it really, really begins with bailing out of a poker game to do a magic trick, right? That's right. I, uh, I skipped ahead. So Data has gotten to a point where he and Riker are about even with chips and Troy and Worf are sitting there chipless. You two have successfully divided the evening between you. I suspect conspiracy. And Riker bets Data that he's going to be able to find his card in the deck. Riker attempts to David Blaine him. Right. And Riker has like one of these magic tricks, these card tricks that is like uh, barely, would be barely passable at like summer camp. You know, it's like, it's not even close up magic. Like, there's no sleight of hand involved. It's just, like, a math trick, essentially. Yeah. And and they don't... Like, it's an easy trick to do. Like, you, anybody can read how to do this trick on the internet in 30 seconds and know how, how it works. And... Uh, or just listen to Data explain how it works <laughs> right after he does it. Yeah, save yourself some work and just keep watching the episode. But they belabor the shit out of this moment. Like, and... And it also, like, breaks the cardinal rule of a card trick on camera, which is they put a bunch of cuts in that could obscure, like, some funny business with the cards, you know? Yep. Like, it's a bad trick that doesn't need cuts anyways. (laughs) Yeah. They're really giving Riker all the help he can get. Yeah. Penn and Teller would just not put up with this shit. Bullshit. And then they would start telling you about why Gary Johnson should be the next president. Riker should have done some real serious David Blaining. Like that trick where he, he stabs his hand through an ice pick. That would have been <laughs> yeah, amazing. Or, like, or where he finds a, a card in an orange that Harrison Ford already had at his house. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> I love David Blaine. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. He, uh, I love... Uh, I'm sure we have a bunch of vocal tics. We've been told about our vocal tics, but my favorite thing of his is, uh, here's the move. Like, that's his thing. Like, uh-huh. he'll be doing a trick, and he's, like, explaining it to the person who's watching, and he's like, all right, and here's the move. And then here's what we do. 
Like, like he makes you complicit in the trick in a really fun way. Right. It's probably that's probably part of the uh, the whole scheme of misdirection. I don't know much about magic. Yeah. I'm not trying to act like I'm some kind of magic expert. I would dispute that personally. I'm no uh, Ricky J. <laughs> Is that that guy's name? It is. The yeah. greatest living magician, I would oh, argue. Did you, you got to hear that guy's interview on Bullseye. So good. His documentary is one of the best. You got to watch that documentary, Ben. Yeah. So they, uh, this is a distress signal that is coming from a freighter called the Arcos. And it's... Uh, the Arcos having, runs and, on, uh, on second-tier gasoline. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just real cheap, garbagey cargo ship gasoline. Jeep and garbagey, and yet your dad is willing to drive 45 <laughs> minutes to go get some, thus t- totally nullifying the cost savings of having bought gas at a lower price. Why does the Arcos make you walk all the way across the thing to, like, insert your debit card into the machine? Like, right, there's just put one, it right there at the pump. There's one machine at the at the Arcos cargo ship, it's, and it's right in the middle. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. I, I would say the worst thing about the Arcos is that they to use the bathroom. The key is like attached to like a to like a tire iron, so you have to lug this heavy chunk of metal around, and then you get to the bathroom, and it's like the fact that there is a lock on the door is not protecting this bathroom from anything. It's like the bathroom from the, from the movie Desperado. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. You don't want to be stationed on the freighter Arcos, just putting it that way. <laughs> Furthermore, you don't want to be on the Arcos when its engine fails around Turkana 4, which is what happened to it in this episode, because Turkana 4 is the uh, terrifying nightmare planet that Tasha Yar came from. Yeah. It's and, basically uh, like Snake Plissken World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And they're... Real freaked out when they realize that uh, the crew have ejected and taken a an escape pod down to the surface. Like they're like, oh, hopefully the escape pod's still in orbit. Nope, <laughs> went directly to the colony. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> and uh, and so we get a little bit of exposition, like the government of Turkana Four collapsed and. Uh, you know, we've heard Tasha Yar talk about this a bit, that there are, like, rape gangs and uh, drugs and stuff. It's like, uh, it's sort of like the opposite of what you would think of as a Federation colony. Is it a, is it theoretically a Federation colony, or is it independent? They called it an Earth colony. An Earth colony. And I don't quite get the distinction, other mm-hmm. than... I guess if you are an Earth colony, you are made up of humans, but right. uh, you are not a member of the Federation, I would guess. But they don't really here's, go too deep onto that. Here's how I would describe it. You know how, like, Russia is just like, you can't believe how fucked up it is <laughs> this day and age? That's sort of Turkana Four in the 24th century. It's like, guys, we have come a long way. Can you fucking knock it off with the craziness? And uh, they can't, can't do it. Wow, your uh, anti-Russian sentiments on this show, Ben, pretty strong. I'm just saying like modern day Russian government. Okay. I don't know that I quite get the sense of what the government is. And I sort of, I sort of took it as like the collapse of Turkana 4's 
settlements was the collapse of that government, and there was none. Yeah, but then like the the power in into the power vacuum stepped these kind of warlord type groups. Yeah, and uh, they're called the cadres, and there's one called the alliance, and the other one is called the um, Southern Confederacy or something like that, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, they're, they're the just, Union uh, and the Confederacy. Great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they're called. So yeah, they have a pretty funny discussion where they're like, "Well, the last uh, Federation ship to make contact with this world was like six years ago, and they were told if anybody from the Federation beamed down, they would be instantly killed." And <laughs> Picard turns to Riker and he goes, "Number one, ready and away, team." There isn't even a beat that passes before Picard designs in the mission, which is so great. We get a great scene here where Riker's away team gets on the transporter pad with, like, dustbusters out for Harambe. Like, they're (laughs) ready to transport down with Glocks out. It's pretty great. Yeah. And, yeah, they... uh, Right before they do that, Worf uh, attempts a weird kind of paternalistic sexism on the Doctor. Oh, yeah. doesn't want to bring her because he's worried she might get raped and uh she's she's like i can handle myself Worf. and rikers explains that the people that they're going to help may need urgent medical care and the doctor is going to be an important member of the team despite the fact that she is a lady it's a weird moment because like you can't say the words Tricana 4 without saying rape gang within mm-hmm. the next 30 seconds. And sure as shit, they say it on the bridge. And they need to underscore it a little bit with the scene with Beverly. Like, yeah. we get it, guys. I, I don't know. I just thought that was strange. A strange choice. They are really underscoring this part. And yet, when we're down on the surface, there is not even a suggestion of sexual violence down there at all. No, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 more you know, it, it's more like the warriors where it's like kind of hooligan street gang stuff, not Yeah. It's not rape gangs. No. But uh yeah, so so they they get up on the pad and they're they're all they're all uh they've all got their dustbusters whipped out and they they get in kind of like in kind of like karate pose with their dustbusters yeah. all facing out so that when they beam down, anything that is converging on them will be shootable. It sounds silly, but they should always do this. And they Absolutely. almost never do. Even when they beamed over to the Borg ship, I don't think they did this. Right. They should have. Um, and, you know, when they beam down to Ginger Jesus's house, yeah. just to be safe, you know? Yeah. Why not? It should be standard beaming procedure. What if, what if his dick valet is uh, right behind you? You know, you don't want that. <laughs> no, not at all. There's a lot of fun just kind of like Star, what do Starfleet officers do in a dangerous place stuff in this episode? And one thing is that they run. <laughs> like, they've done, there's more running in this e- episode than the Edo episode. And they're always, you know, it's kind of like sewers and tunnels and It's a really fun stuff. set. It's real cyberpunky. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely 
a lot of William Gibson in the set design. Yeah, here. yeah. And uh, and they they're running around and they they run into a bunch of armed people who have like Logan's Run jewels in their chest, and the jewels are going are going ape, and they're like 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 identify yourselves. Who the fuck are you? Well, come with us and. <laughs> And so, like, not long before they meet Hayne, who is the leader of the Confederacy, and he explains that the Union has taken the the crewmen from the Arcos hostage, and uh, and that the only way they're going to be able to get these guys back is if they work with the Confederacy on on a uh, on a project and. And uh, his suggestion is, why don't you give us a whole bunch of phasers? You're not going to miss them. Yeah, it'll be great. It's He gets into some real Oliver North shit here. We should mm-hmm. describe Hain a little bit. Hain reminds me, like, there's a... It feels like this episode has a bunch of retread, some visual retread from that planet where Riker dresses up in the, uh, in the clothing to go fuck that Sarah Connor woman. And right. and Hain is a big part of it. Like he's got the leather biker jacket, he's got the slick back hair. He has a deep crew neck, which yeah. is an interesting choice. Like you, yeah, he's got like a boat neck under a brown leather jacket. One of the first instances of a deep crew on the show I think, that I can remember. I think this is the episode, perhaps more than any we have yet watched, Adam, that transitions us from 80s haircast to 90s haircast. Yeah. There is some full-blown 90s hair in this episode. And this is the first the first guy that, uh, this is the first peak of it. Uh, but, but baby, we're just getting started. He just, he breaks the dam of hair gel. Yeah. He's got, he's got a lot of feathering going on, uh, Every every piece of hair is going in a very particular direction. This Hain guy, the Confederacy that he represents is are like they're really big fans of the Paul Mitchell hair product line. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see um, pencil artwork of his haircut and uh, barbershop windows all over my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, Picard is pretty quick to poo-poo the arms for hostages idea. And it's it was never a great idea in the first place because Hain can't even claim to have access to the hostages. He was just saying, like, give me a bunch of guns and I'll go get them for you. Right. So they reject that. And so Hain FaceTimes up and he's like, hey, get a load of this. And he steps aside and somebody with even more 90s hair steps, steps uh, onto camera. And this is... Tasha Yar's sister, Ishara Yar, or so she claims. And uh, and so Hain explains that because they were friends of Tasha's uh, up there on the Enterprise, uh, she can... Ashara is going to serve as like the liaison between the Confederacy and the Enterprise, and they're going to see if they can't help them get these hostages back from the Union. And so everybody's like a little bit weirded out at first, but they're like, all right, well, you know, it's the best plan we have so far. Like we don't really know shit about this planet and we can't find these crewmen. Like the only way we're going to be able to do it is by finding their escape pod, which I guess has some 
special access to scanning for their vital signs. And uh, until we can do that, we're, we're pretty much SOL. So they beam Ishara on board and Data is there to meet her. And it's a pretty like intense meeting because, you know, we know like Data's got some history with her sister, but he's emotionless. And so... And also Ishara hates her sister. Like she comes up, like she pronounces that she and Tasha were sisters, but as soon as she beams on board, she's like, I hate her. We were estranged. She's a coward. She's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) She, she's a total coward. She left, she left her kind of four. Tasha Yar is a mess. (laughs) Believe me. She is a mess. (laughs) She has no stamina. She left. Everything she touches is a disaster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's real weird. Ishara, if somebody in the room likes Tasha, she talks tons of shit. And if somebody in the room is like not super keen on Tasha, she really talks Tasha up. Like, it's real, like, it's a real weird character play where she's, she like moves in the opposite direction of people's sensitivities, which is an, I don't know. I thought that was interesting writing at the very least Mm -hmm. but yeah so she's going to be able to help them because she knows her way around this uh nightmare city and a lot of it is like underground or like you know there's lots of like electronic shit that makes it hard to beam in and out of certain places but she does know where the escape pod is being kept unfortunately we don't know where the escape pod is level 3c section 547 and so they're able to launch a mission where they all beam down and get the escape pod up and running again so they can use its sensors. But there's always combat when they beam down. And, and this this episode has real fun, like, high-speed phaser combat that's shot from, like, a relatively wide angle compared to what we usually get. You know, like, you can see, like, four or five people on camera firing at each other and people flying all over the place. And, uh... And that's a lot of fun. And I guess the deal with the Confederacy and the Union is that they all have these jewels on their chest that are proximity sensors, and they light up and start making noise when their enemies are close. So if you're like uh, like Ashara, a Confederate, and a Union person is running around nearby your jewel will your cleavage jewel will start to light up and and so you know like to get out of there or whatever but uh it's always like setting off an alarm and bringing the cavalry in and so they're always kind of like getting in and getting out just in the nick of time yeah and she gets shot like on their way out on this uh on this episode and she is narrowly saved from being killed by one of the uh one of the baddies by Riker is this the mission they go on before they do the DNA test? Because what yeah. I thought was weird well, about... Well, the DNA test takes, like, some time. I think they test her before they go down, but they don't know the answer till they get back. That part was completely baffling to me. They're like, all right, we got to assemble this away team to go down and do this mission. We're going to stick Ashara on the mission. We're going to give her a weapon. But the DNA test isn't done yet, so we aren't completely sure we can trust her. Yeah. That seems wildly irresponsible to me. Yeah, I mean, 
You would think that they would at least give her a phaser that was limited to stun setting or something like that. Like, like they hard give her locked. they give her child scissors. Yeah. But yeah, they they extend her the benefit of the doubt pretty early and pretty often. And uh she comes back from this mission, you know, slumped in Riker's arms and they take her to Six Bay and uh Captain Picard comes around and has a has a chat with her and I guess basically like says like, Well, you were you were pretty brave down there and I guess we can trust you in fact and uh while you're here in sick bay, why don't why don't you slip out of those dirty rebel clothes and get into a bright blue cat suit, shall we? Why don't you slip into something wildly uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> This cat suit is incredible. I actually, I watched this episode by myself, and I'm typically pretty quiet when, <laughs> when I watch anything by myself. But I audibly gasped at this moment, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, very is, like... uh, it is whatever the female equivalent to Moosenuck is, is definitely happening here, Ben. Yeah, it it's... Uh... This is a bit of costuming that definitely previsages Seven of Nine. Yeah. It's like maximally sexy. Yeah. It's kind of hard to concentrate uh, <laughs> on the scenes that she's in from here on out. Yeah. I had to move my notepad over myself for the rest. <laughs> yeah. You didn't want to stand up in front of class and do any math problems on the board. Yeah. In the state you were in. <laughs> right. So they spend a lot of time doing some character development, and part of it is her shooting the breeze with Data, remembering Yar, and uh, part of it is, and, and uh, part of part of it is like, you know, kind of coming up. They figured out where the crewmen are, but it's not like the easiest thing in the world to get to them where they are, and so they also come up with a way to remove her sensor light and uh i guess it's like it's like hardwired in and it's rigged to blow if anybody tries to take it out but the explosive is sensitive to air so they can trap some inert gas around it and in a force field and and remove it that way and so so they they uh announce that the, they're going to get this out of her and uh, she she goes and like finds a, a a quiet room by herself and radi- FaceTimes down to the surface that report it's working. Her evil plan is working. <laughs> one of the great one sentence throws to commercials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like perplexing that they're letting this woman that they're still not a hundred percent sure they can trust communicate unmonitored with the uh, leader of her. Uh, warrior tribe yeah even a couple episodes ago they they stood in the room with their backs turned for for that amount of privacy they can't even do that strange yeah their plan is the the uh the crewmen that they're trying to save are in a part of the facility that they can't beam into but there's a nearby room that they can use a phaser to tunnel through the bedrock because the whole city is underground. They can tunnel through the bedrock to be able to beam into this nearby room. They'll mount their raid from there. They'll go get the guys 
and they'll be out. So there's like a big long action sequence at the end of this episode where they they do this and then Ishara sort of gets separated from the group and they start finding crumpled up bodies all over the place where she was and they're like at this point she's expressed interest in not going back to the city when the whole mission is over yeah she's like saying oh maybe like i'll follow in my sister's footsteps and you know try to apply to starfleet academy and make something of myself and they're like well that's really honorable and it's a big decision but uh at uh at, at a certain point in the in the raid on the planet data finds her rigging the fusion reactor of the union to blow and uh data follows the body breadcrumbs to her position he he finds her at this giant uh purple jukebox that (laughs) is powering the entire union and um she explains that she puts in a dollar to play her song first (laughs) it's skinnered simple man That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and she explains that once uh, once Simple Man finishes playing, <laughs> uh, the power will go out and 3,000 troops from the Confederacy will storm in and take out the Union for once and for all. And Data's like, well, that'll make the Federation complicit in this act of war. And we don't get down like that, girl. And uh, this is, you know... Once again, I'm finding characters that I had extended trust to dropping whoppers on me. <laughs> and uh, Personal not into bangers, it. right? Mm-hmm. So she raises her dustbuster at him, and they have, like, a showdown. And she actually fires at Data, and he's able to dodge it and fires back, knocking her out. He and Riker run up to her. They, uh check out the dustbuster. What is she doing? Disabling the detection system so her forces could attack. Set to kill. Set to kill robots. <laughs> Set the, to robo-kill. Yeah, the special robo-kill setting. Mm-hmm. It turns on microwaves <laughs> all around the room. <laughs> it, it's the popcorn setting on the nearest microwave. It's a it's a ray that would make Data feel true love for one moment, and then he would a, a single tear would form in his eye, and he would short circuit. Yeah, that'd be it. What a way to go out. Mm, Data yeah. does that bend at the waist that he pulls off, dodging the. Remember what was that planet that he was on with the mining laser? Yeah, uh, I forget the name of the planet. He's pretty great um, at dodging. It would be really hard to hit of... him with a phaser, I think. It's a little bit matrixy the way he dodges it. Yeah. Like they don't do bullet time, but it would have looked cool if they had. Yeah, and I feel like Ashara's got to be a pretty good shot. Yeah, she's uh she's been she's been fragging rape gangs her whole life probably. Yeah. They take one look at her hair. We haven't really even talked about her hair, man. Oh my god. Her hair looks like it was cut with like those giant lawn scissors that you use on bushes. <laughs> it is just one straight line across yeah. the back. Yeah. It's like maybe two inches off the top of her shoulders, and the straightness of the cut is really something else. It's it's not even weird as much as it's impressive. It just yeah. seems really hard to pull off. And it's also... Well, here's what's weird about it is... 
she's got some bangs that they have teased into an insane amount of volume, and then they have slicked back the rest of her hair so that there's like no volume on the actual long part. So it kind of looks like she has a crazy mullet. The cat suit is so stunning, though, that <laughs> it's sort of hard to give her hair any consideration at all. I always, I, I keep wondering, like, uh, like with John Doe, like how how do the how do the civilian characters on this show pick out the thing that they're gonna wear from the replicator? It's like most sexually revealing thing possible, basically, is the reflexive choice. <laughs> There's the canonical in-show decision that you're describing, but there's also the practical production decision. Like, right. how how complicit are you in the costume design if you're an actress at this point? Like, do you have a... I, I am imagining you don't have approve or deny power over your wardrobe. And so no, when this thing imagine. is produced from the truck, I, <laughs> like... I would love to interview this actress and just ask her one question. Like, what was your reaction when you found this in your trailer? <laughs> and what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? Like, right, they, they took a tiny, tiny hanger out of the closet <laughs> with this tiny, <laughs> tiny piece of clothing on it. They took a chip clip out of craft <laughs> services. <laughs> yeah, and not even for the full-size bag of Doritos. The one for the, like, for the, like quick grab. I feel like this dress collapsed down into like scrunchy size when it wasn't put on. <laughs> it's that tight. I am the cutest of all. Lock faces on that vest. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. The episode ends and they've said their goodbyes to the uh, the dicks down on the planet. Data walks Ashara back to the transporter room and very emotionlessly bids her goodbye like she really wants to have a cathartic connection with him and he he goes full android on her he's like i don't have any feeling toward you at all yeah yeah there's definitely a firewall there yeah it's a something i kind of envied in data in that moment because i feel like uh, what she did would have uh, would have really hurt uh a lot of the characters on this show. Yeah. And he's able to just kind of like chalk it up to a shitty learning experience. And the, the button on the episode is him kind of talking through that with Riker. Like it, I guess it affected him more than he was willing to show in that moment. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like Riker's saying like, yeah, like sometimes when you extend trust, it is, uh, it is betrayed. And uh, you can't really control for that. Riker's counsel is so great here. He's, yeah. He's like, that's the cost of an intimate friendship or relationship of any kind. Mm-hmm. He's like, you have to put yourself out there uh, and, and risk being hurt because that's the currency of yeah. of being close to someone. Yeah. Oh, I should also say that they take the cat suit back when they send her back yeah. down to the planet. <laughs> I don't know if anyone could wear that afterwards. I think it's sort no. of like trying on a swimsuit in a department store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think... You got to buy it. Yeah, definitely. You, you I think that's it, in her bag. It. That's definitely <laughs> in her bag. 
They're like, look, we don't like you anymore, and we're going to beam you back, but we have no use for this costume. <laughs> uh, did you like this episode, Ben? I did. I liked the silliness of the conflict. I liked, uh, I don't know, it, just, it, it wasn't insulting and stupid. It was just fun and stupid, I think. Yeah, I agree. And the and the button really worked for me. Like the that conversation between Riker and Data at the end, I thought was uh, perhaps more than anything else uh, undid some of the harm they did in the cold open mm-hmm. with the magic trick. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? I can't help but play a little like fantasy football with the episode a little bit because. It, the episode worked because the conflict was between Data and Ashara, mm-hmm. but all I wanted before watching the episode was Riker and her to hook up and for that to be the tension. But that- oh yeah, we talked about the uh, the the ribald sex comedy where Data and Riker are both trying to bed her, right? Yeah, and like that would have been the wrong decision. I think mostly because we see it all the time. Like, I feel like you get the Riker sexual attention most of the time. This is a far more interesting episode when it's Data tension, especially Mm -hmm. because uh, Data slept with her sister. Right. And they don't, I don't think they really talk about that, right? He doesn't, he doesn't let that slide to her. Like the more I thought about it and the more I thought about how it could have been, the more satisfied I was with how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I'm God, there were you, all kinds of tenses in that in that statement. <laughs> well, <laughs> but extemporaneous, think... but I'm sure somebody will write in to correct us on our Yeah. Uh Ben yeah. What's that, Adam? Um there's a I believe there's a priority one message coming in over the subspace frequency. There may or may not be, but we're about to find out. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a message on this panel here in our dumb fake spaceship. <laughs> I've just got a shoebox of Christmas lights that I plugged in. It looks like I'm getting something from this. Yeah, we got something from Megan. It is for Kirsten. Or Kirsten, depending. One of the ten different pronunciations of that name that we know to be true. (laughs) Remarkable. It's sort of like charade. Like, Kirsten Kirsten is the charade of first names, isn't it? Yeah, I had a friend named Kirsten growing up, so I choose to believe it's Kirsten. Well, I'm not going to pick a side, so I don't offend uh, our the recipient of our Priority One message. I will be the Switzerland of this, of this P1. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to find some of this Kirsten Kirsten war gold after, <laughs> after, after the dust settles. <laughs> Megan says, I see your Jaeger and raise you a subspace message. Oh, dang. Do you think there was a Jaeger exchanged? Well, I know that to be untrue because I own all the Jaegers. So, <laughs> so it sounds like Megan's a liar. Well, you own all the Jaegers after a certain date. We don't know when this happened. That's true. Could have happened before we started this show. Uh, yeah, they, Megan could be in possession of Calvinist Jaegers. Yeah. Who were predestined for her. Right. Before we ever made the announcement. 
Reliving the Star Trek era of our nerd days via this podcast has been a delight. Thank you for always being the Deanna to my Beverly. See you at Greatest Gen Con 2017 in Victorville. <laughs> you bring Mzadi, I'll bring Q in Law, and we'll do some dramatic readings. <laughs> Happy birthday, kindred spirit. Wow, fun. You know, enough time has passed where I can be fairly honest with you, Ben. I'm ready to go back to Victorville. <laughs> the bad yeah. memories are gone. I only remember the good. You missed that Buffalo Wild Wings down by the down by the off ramp. You know, the next time I go to Victorville, I'll be packing my own underwear. <laughs> they seem like two cool ladies. I yeah, like they really the, do. That one's the Deanna and one's the Beverly. They speak in pod, which is mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, I love uh, that. Thanks, f- thanks for sending that message, Megan, and happy birthday. Kirsten and or Kirsten. Uh, if you would like to send a Priority One message to a friend, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's real easy. It's 100 bucks for a personal and 200 for a commercial message. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. 
the episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey Ben, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I sure did. Drunk Shimoda is the part of the show where we we shine our critical spotlight on either a scene, a character, or an actor who may be having the most fun or doing something weird and incongruent or something that just stuck out to us. We do this every episode in honor of one of our favorite bit parts ever on the show, Jim Shimoda from episode Mm -hmm. two. So my Shimoda in this is just the... the, uh... Is the ca- kidnapped uh, crewman that they they show up on FaceTime briefly because it's like it's like a ransom video and it's like just shy of him holding up the day, that day's paper. <laughs> it's like it couldn't be a more generic uh, ransom video, and I, I whoever they got to play that part just like just really like did it did it a solid in my opinion. Yeah, he's like. He's doing everything besides hold up the newspaper. Yeah, it was good. Uh, my Shimoda is a scene-based Shimoda. So okay. Ishara has just put, put, been put into the blue cat suit. She's on the bridge uh, at the science station in the back with Data. They're looking mm-hmm. over the schematic for uh, the station down below. And you get a two-shot, I think, with Ishara and Data talking and Worf walks by in the background and just stares at Ishara in the blue cat suit. And <laughs> it made me laugh as much as her appearance on screen for the first time in the cat suit. I can't tell if his intentions as a character are lustful or, uh, or distrustful of her whole deal. And I don't know if Dorn as an actor could pull off which was which like he just sort of watches he just sort of walks by and gives her eye jammies and then turns back to his station it was so strange because he kind of nods at her doesn't he yeah it was so weird compared to the rest of the tone around her character in the rest of the episode it was never revisited again you aren't meant to understand really what his feelings are about ishara at all no. And for that to be it was just a little bit ambiguous to me. Like, what was that about? Was it because he was into her or because he didn't trust her? 
I think because of her clothing, it was because she was into her, but I think we'll never know. Yeah. Distracting clothing. Distracting scene. Mm. It took me out of whatever data and Ishara were talking about, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll never know what conversation they had at that moment. And it's impossible to play it back. No, yeah, you can't do it. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season four, episode seven, Reunion, when Picard is chosen to mediate a Klingon power struggle, Worf confronts the Klingon who disgraced him. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Only generally in the collection of Klingon episodes that Picard and Worf are involved in. Is Kern in this one? I don't know if Kern is. I mean, Duras is the one that disgraced him, right? Yeah. Is he the one with the crazy eyes? No, that's Gowron. Oh, right. That's the Chancellor. Yeah. Uh, Is he in this one? God, I hope so. I love those crazy eyes. I know. That guy's the funnest. He really gives Kern a run for his money in the crazy eye department. Yeah, and Worf for that matter. It's true. A lot of eye acting. (laughs) I remember nothing uh, outside of that, so... Uh, I'm excited to see it for sure. Does Picard get to go into the barrio again? Yeah, well, he's got that knife now, so he might as well. Yeah. If you own a knife and you've been stabbed with it, do you leave your own blood on it? Oh, like you don't clean it off because you're like, look what I got. That might be kind of badass, right? I could see that being kind of badass. (laughs) Do you think he kept the hammock? You know, this will be great if I decide to go camping or something. <laughs> Are you talking about the hammock that the slickback kid set up in yeah. his apartment? Yeah. <laughs> the kid who stabbed him with his own knife. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we see the we see the tapestry that's on the back of the seat. I wonder if we ever see that hammock again. It's a good question. Seems like a pretty cool hammock. Yeah. You know, well, uh, no one cares about that, Ben. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> uh, those who have stuck around to the bitter end of this episode might be interested in knowing that there are ways that you can support this show and its production. Uh, one of the biggest <laughs> is by going to maximumfund.org slash donate yeah. and, uh, and supporting the high cost of its production. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into this show. And we appreciate every every shekel that comes into the account from uh, from our beloved listeners. Other financial ways you can support, obviously, is going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron or by going to MaxFunStore.com and uh, buying our extremely popular West Hot American Summer t-shirt. Um, still working on another tee, and I think it's uh, pretty close to being ready to go. And um, and maybe also, a ass, cash, or scarfs. No one rides for free bumper <laughs> sticker. <laughs> that would be good. And we're also uh, going on tour, it looks like. And if uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, Adam, and say, when we go on tour, I think we should do a an exclusive tour-only T-shirt and Agreed. an exclusive tour-only poster. Yeah. So uh, we'll have some, some cool merch that you can i'm not sure if uh either or both of those are but we're we're gonna have something that you can only get on the tour so we should get with um, that illustration guy on the poster 
Oh yeah. I bet yeah, he'd do he a kick-ass a, uh, job. That would be cool. He did a he did a great jumbotron uh, mm -hmm. a little while ago. That's um, how jumbotrons work. Yep. <laughs> you uh, you buy advertisement, and then the hosts are the ones that take you up on the. <laughs> <laughs> and then thirty offering. episodes later, the hosts buy stuff from you. <laughs> It'll be a totally revenue neutral situation for all of us. <laughs> Just like our show. Uh huh. Well, uh, we should thank Dark Materia and Adam Ragusia for our music. And I would encourage all of you to follow at Cut for Time on Twitter. Adam has one of the funniest Twitter feeds out there. Uh, you can also follow me at Benjamin R. And you can uh, tweet about our show using the hashtag GreatestGen. Let's bury some of those damn World War II tweets. Getting sick of them. Put them in the ground. <laughs> Where they belong. Yeah, uh, leave us a review over on the Reddit, if you could. On the Star Trek Reddit, and there's also a Star Trek The Next Generation Reddit. Can you believe, Ben, that there are people over there who have not heard of this podcast? Disgraceful. I know. you got to expose them to the siren song of the greatest generation. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah, it's an unknown unknown. <laughs> uh, also review us on iTunes and any other place you download your podcasts. That's a big help, and... Uh, go to Facebook. We're on Facebook. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a crazy-eyed episode of The Greatest Generation. <laughs> when you're you and me, Ben, all the episodes are crazy-eyed episodes. <laughs> yeah. That's true. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.